From Pacifica Radio in San Francisco, this is Flashpoints. I'm Dennis Bernstein. Today on the show, the National Day Labor Organizing Network, also known as Endelon, on the march for the rights of day laborers. Also, the battle to save City College of San Francisco from being gobbled up by corporate interests in a greedy for uh, a greedy for high-end real estate situation, I guess you could call it. All this and more coming up straight ahead on Flashpoints. Stay tuned. And you're listening to Flashpoints on Pacifica Radio. My name is Dennis Bernstein. This is your daily investigative news magazine. We broadcast every weekday from 5 to 6 over the Pacifica Radio Network. We come to you from San Francisco, and we are happy to have you along with us today. And we begin with the actions being taken by the National Day Labor Organizing Network, that's Endilon. Uh, they're an incredibly important human rights uh, and worker rights organization that uh, supports the work and defends the rights of day labor. We've had a long time working relationship with this incredibly important group. Uh, and we are again joined by um, somebody who uh, does political organizing and sort of thinks about how to present what the uh, National Day Labor Organizing Network does to the public. Joining us is Salvador Sarriamento. Uh, um, Salvador, welcome back to Flashpoints. Good to have you with us. Hey, how's it going? Thanks for having us. Well, we are glad to have you with us. We respect the uh, incredibly important work you do, but for for people listening uh, in the Bay Area and across the country, say a little bit more. I, I don't think everybody knows about Endilon. So take a few minutes and tell us uh, what you all do and why it's a crucial organization, particularly now. Yeah, so Endilon is actually a national network of 60 day labor centers, community grassroots organizations that fight to defend the rights of low-income workers, of migrant day laborers, in communities across the country that look for work on a day-to-day basis, as you can imagine, as folks know, these are some of the most vulnerable, uh, low-income, black, brown, immigrant workers from around the world, from across Latin America, from the Caribbean, that live in our communities, that are part of our communities. And Endelon, the day labor network, you know, works with grassroots communities and the day labor centers to advance the rights, uh, you know, and, and bring our communities together to make sure that you know, uh, we're defending workers' rights. And, you know, because we know if, if there's any abuses taking place for anybody, that affects everybody, right? And you're on the march now. Could you tell us a little bit about what's happening right now? I know you've uh, stepped away a little bit, but uh, we can hear it in the background. What, what exactly is happening today? Sure. So we actually have day labor centers from across California that have converged here in Los Angeles to send a message to local, state, national officials that it's a time, you know, where immigrant workers, black, brown immigrant, low-income workers are facing a crisis abuse. That means wage theft. That means discrimination. That means harassment. All sorts of different kinds of abuse at the workplace. Unsafe, unsafe work. And so we're marching today here in downtown Los Angeles to send a message to the local officials, including the ones that have made race, you know, fed into this racist rhetoric about black folks, about about indigenous folks right the the message is is the same right we we won't put up with uh this racist treatment the racist rhetoric 
or this rampant abuse against immigrant workers. Um, and so that's why we're here in the streets of downtown Los Angeles to send this message um, that there, there's a crisis happening and there's specific actions that our government officials, for example, the secretary of DHS, Alejandro Mallorca, specific actions they can take to, to address this rampant abuse against immigrant workers. And I'm going to ask you about that in one moment, but I want to talk a little bit about uh, I want you to be more specific. Uh, and again, take a few minutes to talk. You talk about discrimination, uh, about wage theft, uh, about unsafe work. Give us uh, ideas. Give us examples. Help us keep a human face on this. Wage theft. How does that work? Uh, wh why is the work unsafe? Is this about, um, for instance, uh, the, the kind of problems uh, that people might face where they either shut their mouths or they're threatened with deportation? T talk about that struggle. Sure. So it's impressive, but maybe a lot of folks don't know. Some folks are know this for a fact because they have lived it themselves a lot of low-income workers a lot of construction workers day laborers they know this because they live it in their daily jobs but a lot of folks don't know that across the country there is very much a crisis of wage theft that happens and that means for example a day laborer gets picked up in front of a home depot to do a job a construction job at a home at a construction site and they're promised to be paid a certain amount at the end of the day they're told they're not going to be paid that or they're just giving half or what you know 60 percent of what they were told and they're told to go home oftentimes they're threatened you know because you're an immigrant because you're undocumented you know i'll call the police i'll call ice i'll call immigration there's nothing you could do you're powerless you know and so that kind of wage theft happens across the country and sadly it's incredibly common and so that's why these day labor centers that's why these grassroots organizations are so important because workers are organizing to confront that wage theft right workers a fair day's work should be a fair day's pay and i think everybody across the board agrees with that you know uh the former president uh, really did open up the door and began to say the things that oftentimes people sort of whispered in back rooms. But he really did open up a channel for hatred. And uh, clearly, uh, in the case of the people you represent, that's a, uh, that's become a direct uh, assault. Has life changed? Has this work, which started out to be dangerous, become more dangerous in the age of um, white supremacy and an expanding extreme right-wing movement in this country? Hello? Did we lose our guest? Sorry about that. We're, we're literally in the middle of the march here, and so I'm getting, you know pulled in into the, the streets of downtown L.A. There's a march. If, I don't know if you can hear tell it. Us, tell us about the march. Tell us about the march. Who's on the march? What do the signs say? What's the spirit of the march? So it's, 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 it's beautiful because there's workers from across day labor centers, various industries, construction, restaurant, domestic workers from across California that are sending this message calling for respect and protection, right? And especially for protection for workers that are denouncing workplace rights. And I, we think that's something that, something that everybody can agree on. You know, workers that are denouncing abuse should be protected. And the Department of Labor, Department of DHS, Secretary Mallorca, they have the power to make this happen. And so that's the message today that workers from across California are making.
Well, we are live uh, now in Los Angeles. Um, I'm wondering, uh, is it your desire to urge people to come down and join you and offer their support in this context? What, what are you hoping for? The message today is very much that we need we need Secretary Mallorca to take action, right? The message is, is directed at these, these politicians that have power to do something and they haven't done anything. Uh, you know, because workers have spoken out, We've gotten the Secretary of Labor to take action, but DHS Secretary Mayorkas has not. And so that's very much the message from workers across California that are happening right now. Um, workers from, you know, cities from L.A., Pasadena, Palmdale, Britain, San Diego, Santa Ana, you know, a beautiful showing of workers across the state, really showing what California is about, um, a message and a demand for respect and protection. And do you, um, are you getting the support of the governor? Do we have a, a self-professed progressive liberal governor in California who uh, professes to care about worker rights and these kinds of folks. What's the relationship with the governor? Has he been a friend of uh, the day laborers? I think there's a lot that can be said about the local and state governments that to date have not taken a public position on this issue. Uh, and, and there's a lot to be said. I just, we're, I'm getting, I'm literally getting pulled back into the march and we're, we're, we're marching. The oh, okay. I actually have to go in a second. Oh, okay. All right. Listen, uh, Salvador Saramiento, the, the group is the National Day Labor Organizing Network. Endilon, he's in the streets of Los Angeles. And um, I don't know if you might want people to join you wherever you are. Is there a, what, what, where exactly are you right now before you say goodbye? We're off of Temple in downtown L.A. And I think folks can, if folks are nearby, that's great. Also, they can join us on Facebook. Look for Day Labor Network, National Day Labor Organizing Network. Okay. Thanks, all. All right. Thank you. Good luck. We'll talk to you soon. Thanks so much. You're welcome. And you're listening to Flashpoints on Pacifica Radio. Well, uh, since we're finishing a little bit early, that gives me an incredibly good excuse uh, to uh, suggest that uh, our technical producer, uh, the guy who makes this show run, Mike Biggs, I, I'm thinking, Mike, I, I bet you can find some extraordinarily beautiful music that might help our folks uh, relax a little bit before we get them all excited again. Um, but, um, yeah, let's take a, an extended musical break. Let's call this a, a musical miscellany.
Horizons, that's their African sunset on Flashpoints on Pacifica Radio. Really nice to hear some amazing music from time to time on this sometimes very troubling radio show. Well, we return to a subject uh, that we care a great deal about here. It's a local subject, but uh, there are uh, equivalent struggles happening all over the country around uh, what's going on in terms of what is happening uh, in the battle to save City College of San Francisco from being gobbled up by corporate interests in a a city greedy for high-end real estate. Let me say a little bit more about this. The corporate real estate industry, including some of the biggest property owners in the city, have raised over 650K to defeat Prop O. That's a progressive parcel tax that is absolutely critical. So say the people fighting for a city college, critical to stabilize, uh, stabilizing city college. The future of CCSF is at stake if Prop O passes, the college's funding will be secure. And, uh, well, we're going to get into this right now. And let me tell you uh, who's joining us later on in the broadcast. We'll be joined by Tim Redman of 48 Hills to sort of uh, take a look at the bigger picture. Uh, But let's begin here with um, Mary, a brave woman. She is uh, a math instructor. And... uh, is with the AFT, the AFT 2121, uh, and uh, she is the uh, uh, president there at the local. Uh, Mary, a brave woman, could you just um, give us some context of what this struggle looks like for people maybe listening out of town and for people who haven't been following uh, what's going on here? I know that... Uh, you and the other folks we're going to talk to today have a very strong belief that uh, uh, City College of San Francisco is a crucial institution, uh, particularly for poor and working class people trying to change their lives and, and transform their lives uh, through education. Talk to us about that. Yes, thank you so much for this opportunity. Um, uh, City College, as you said, is um, the... Um, the place where people can come and change their lives. I, I am a product of City College, came came there 32 years ago as a single mother living below the poverty level, a high school graduate, but um, that high school diploma wasn't getting me any kind of employment that was going to allow me to provide for my daughter and myself in this city. And and that was 32 years ago. Um I I became a student. Um, I found employment there as a classified employee while I was completing my undergraduate and then graduate degree at San Francisco State. And it really changed the trajectory of of our lives. Um, Being able to um, take advantage of the EOPS uh, program, which was for students who, uh, first-generation college students like myself. Um, And now now my grandchildren will be third-generation college students because of the opportunities we got there at City College. Um, And, you know, what's at stake, what's a little bit different about City College than than other community colleges in the area is that we are the adult education provider for the city and county of San Francisco. If you go to Marin or um, 
or Alameda or San Mateo, you know, a lot of the, those adult education programs are part of the K-12 through um, unified system. But back in the um, early 70s, City College uh, took over that responsibility. And the state funding formula, the way it is now, provides us with money to make sure that students have degrees and transfers to four-year universities. But it leaves out so many of our students who are still trying to um, figure out what path they're on, maybe our immigrant students who are um, trying to uh, have uh, gain language acquisition, uh, citizenship classes, some students simply looking to complete their high school degrees. Um, and uh, these all fall under non-credit programs, and we are not funded in the same way uh, for those things as we are for the degrees and transfers. And that that makes up a huge uh, amount of the student population is our non-credit programs. And um, as well as lifelong learners, our older adults programs that used to uh, be thriving, but because of uh, a variety of reasons were cut. Uh, some claim it was budget cuts. Some, some claim it was just the vision coming down from the state level to make us into a junior college. But the place that we're at now is that um, we know that before the pandemic hit, we had a steady demand, student demand, coming into the college. And what we saw in the year before the pandemic was uh, severe cuts to our programs and offerings uh, of the programs that students need and want. And then a corresponding decline in enrollment. And I'm not denying that enrollment is down throughout the state. But if you take a look at the enrollment patterns of City College over the five years period between 2014 and uh, 2019, and you look at the Bay Area 10, you'll see that everybody enrollment and, and course offerings stay pretty consistent. Um, and then you see in 2018, 2019, that City College makes these deep, deep cuts to our schedule. And then we get these deep, deep declines in enrollment. Um, we're trying to recover from the pandemic. People, that means that people need job training. That means that they need, um, they, they need education. Maybe they're trying to change their careers because of, of um, what they experienced in the pandemic. City College is and can be that place. But when we are turning away 300 English 1A students this semester alone, because of um, the cuts to programs and the um, layoffs of teachers, this is, um, you know, we're, we're not serving our students and we're not serving our citizens in the way we should be. And, um, and Prop O, go ahead. No, 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 please continue. Well, Prop O actually um, was uh, a collaboration between SEIU 10 to 1, the San Francisco Building Trades Council, and uh, Local 39, the stationary engineers at City College, along with AFT 2121, and our then Deputy Chancellor, uh, Diana Gonzalez. We started this work over a year ago, looking at, after the failure of Prop 15, 
Schools and Community First statewide initiative in the last um, statewide election, we um, it, the, that proposition passed by over 70% in the city, but it failed statewide, unfortunately. Uh, that would have brought in billions of dollars to, um, infused into the educational system. But uh, with the failing of that and the, and the continual downsizing of our college, the unions got together with um, that administrator, and we put our heads together, looked at historically what our student demand was, what our course offerings look like and what the um, funding gap was between where we're currently funded and where we were being funded during that five-year period. And um, we came up with a dollar amount. We came up with a structure of how that money should be spent on students and programs. And, um, and, and we put in the work. We did the research. We did some polling. Um, and, and, and we continued on this path. Now, um, what's different about this? What's different about this parcel tax is that it's a tiered parcel tax. It's a tiered property tax. Currently, if you are if you are a single-family homeowner, or you are Salesforce or Wells Fargo or Bank of America, somebody who owns a lot of property in the city, uh, or you're a corporate landlord with multiple properties in the city, you say you pay the same ninety-nine dollars per parcel that goes to City College doesn't matter who you are. With this tax, um, homeowners would pay a flat rate and be exempt if they are 65 or older. Um, and corporations would be paying based on the square footage of their, of their property. Small businesses would, um, under 5,000 square feet would pay the same amount as a single family homeowner. Um, and then the tiers go up from there so that Someone okay. like Salesforce. All right, let, let, let me just jump in here. Let, let me, if I could, jump in and just say you're listening to Flashpoints on Pacifica Radio. This is a we, this is a local story. We're a national show, but this is a local story that we really wanted to focus in on. This is the about the future of um, uh, City College of San Francisco here in the Bay Area. It's a very special institution. Been following the struggle for years and actually we have uh, one of the student activists who've been in the middle of this Jess Nguyen uh, is a student and an activist uh, at City College of San Francisco in the middle of the battle. Jess, could you talk a little bit about your own background and, and why you're in the fight to save uh, City College? Sure. Uh, can you hear me? Yes. Oh, okay, great. Um, I came to City College through the Miracle Free City, which allowed me to take classes for free as a San Francisco resident in 2018. I came specifically for a workforce program in order to change career paths. And unfortunately, uh, after 2018, when my machining class uh, was finished and I was ready to take CNC classes and welding too, those classes were getting cut. So every semester since 2019, I've been in the fight with other students who are struggling to get the classes that they need in order to finish their certificate and educational plans, in order to get the jobs that they need and the wages we need in order to live here in the city. Um, and I'm now supporting with all my heart Prop O because this is the most progressive uh, solution that is uh, being put forth by both the teachers union, the staff union, 
um, a lot of community members. This will guarantee that engineering technology classes will continue to go forward for us to reinstate uh, nursing and diagnostic medical imaging classes, uh, dental assistance, um, horticulture and floristry. A lot of the students now have faced so many cuts that their departments have been slashed in half. That means students that were expecting to finish a two-year program are expecting to, to complete a, a vocational program in four years. And right now, there's a lot of students in my uh, vocational class that are ready to work. We are um, wanting to learn, wanting to, to be able to use these new skills that are invaluably taught at City College by experts uh, in order to move on with our lives. And I know a lot of people uh, support City College in different ways. And my day job currently is at a CBO, a community-based organization, a nonprofit, uh, supporting workforce. And I constantly talk to other organizations that rely on City College for training for their employees. And so we need, we need Prop O to pass. We need every single voter out there to realize that their vote can help secure funding for the next 20 years. So students and faculty and staff don't have to, uh, you know, protest every semester begging, begging to have classes reinstated where it could be completely filled plus a wait list. Um, in the summer for my vocational program, I, as a student, created a survey to capture how many students are actually being affected by the cuts that were enacted last spring. In my department alone, over 177 students uh, said that they were impacted by the cuts and could not be able to continue their educational plan and vocational training as it was prescribed when they first enrolled. So these are demands and students are getting active and the community is getting more engaged in how we can help and passing Prop O definitely will help us. You're listening to Flashpoints on Pacifica Radio. That's Jess Nguyen. She is a student activist uh, working to save uh, City College of San Francisco here in the Bay Area. A very special institution that we care uh, a great deal uh, about. And uh, I, I guess, Jess, you would agree that City College really helped you transform your life. Uh, I, I guess a lot of other I, students feel the I same way. I definitely would say... Yeah, I, I gave a speech uh, at a uh, fundraising event in support of City College candidates, Anita Martinez, uh, Susan Solomon, Vic Chung, and Adolfo Velasquez on Monday. And I started saying, City College is a miracle to me because it gave me a new lease on life. I went to school for something else, uh, was miserable, was not making that much money and uh, really needed City College because I could not go into debt again and having Free City allowed me to experience some of the training program classes before they were cut. And now with the skills that I have obtained, I was able to get a new job that utilized some of those skills. I got a grant from the state of California to do more work that I'm hoping to continue on in the future. But I've seen countless students um, learning English in the halls and taking a custodial class or veterans taking a woodworking class so they can start their new career path or students switching over and trying to get one of the coveted spots in the nursing program. We have a lot of demand and interest in certain programs 
But unfortunately, because of the class cut and the lack of um, planning from some of the administrators, we have have uh, put left a lot of students in the dark. And if we're not able to provide those much needed classes for firefighters, for nursing, uh, for engineering technology, for plumbing or electrical, how are we gonna uh, support our community? San Francisco is one of the largest cities uh, in the nation and we should be able to train our local workforce. Wow. Well, let's also bring into this discussion Sally Chen. Uh, she's with uh, Chinese for Affirmative Action uh, Education Equity Program. Uh, she's edu- Education Equity Program Manager. Uh, Sally Chen, welcome to Flashpoints. Good to have you with us. Thank you so much for having me. Um, I'm really excited to talk about our support for, for Prop O. Um, especially because our organization, uh, you know, provides direct services um, to mainly immigrants who speak limited English. Um, And we've been a longtime supporter of City College because we see how uh, these programs um, really help our clients' lives and make such a huge difference. Um, well, can you hear me? Say, okay? a lot, say a little bit more about that. Give us some examples of of what this program and the, this uh, college has meant to the people you represent. Absolutely. So, as I mentioned, a majority of our clients attend City College, um, and City College's students are actually predominantly Asian within San Francisco. City College is a gem. It's the largest and most accessible source for workforce training and fundamental skills education, including ESL. And the classes that City College provides are the first step for many of our immigrant community members to rebuild their lives from the ground up. City College's impact is beyond skills training. At CAA, we really see how a City College education lifts the self-confidence of our community members and creates a sense of belonging for them while navigating an entirely new life in a different country. Um, And we see how City College is suffering from layoffs and course cuts. Um, The college has had to turn away students by the hundreds this fall for ESL, and they have overfilled wait lists. And we know that you know, ESL and these foundational programs are the first step to accessing all of what City College can offer across dozens of subject areas, but they're getting turned away at the door, and it's a real shame. Um, and, you know, there are really um, misleading ads and investments from real estate um, industry uh, tycoons uh, targeting uh, our community members and trying to mislead them by saying that there isn't a benefit uh, to Prop O, when in fact, you know, Chinese Americans, uh, the Chinese American community stands with City College because we know just how beneficial uh, that it is. Uh, and I just wanted to plug um, this uh, next Tuesday at 11:30 a.m. at Portsmouth Square uh, in Chinatown, um, we'll be um, we'll be having a rally to counter this corporate-funded misinformation uh, and speaking the truth about Prop O uh, for our city, for um, immigrant communities uh, like the ones that CAA serves. Do you think uh, we've got a problem in terms of both classism and racism, uh, or is it just straight-up greed uh, in a city that uh, where real estate has, you know, become uh, a blood war? Right, absolutely. Um, so, you know, next 
uh, Tuesday at our rally, both the Chinese Progressive Association uh, and Chinese for Affirmative Action uh, are speaking up on um, this issue because we do see uh, these intersections of race and class that you're uh, bringing forward, that um, our recent immigrant, you know, Chinese community members um, who are just sort of getting their foot in the door have the most to benefit um, from investments in in vocational training. And they are our frontline workers. Um, and when we think about, you know, where these funds from Prop O will go to, um, you know, they'll start really at the foundation for workforce training and ESL. Um, and uh, in, in that sense, you know, uh, starting, you know, lifting from the bottom and uh, will actually reinvest in for the foundations of our economy, of our city. Uh, we really want to highlight, you know, it is about, um, you know, really targeting uh, support for where it's most needed and how it'll bring benefits to the whole city. Um, so there are certainly layers of both uh, in what we're discussing. Well, uh, Mary, a brave woman, uh, you want to sort of follow up? Jess, you, also you can jump in after Mary if you want to do a final follow-up uh, before we move on. Mary? Yeah, I would, um, I would just say that this is what we are asking uh, of San Franciscans is a small investment in the future of our citizens and our electorate. Um, it's a really a, uh, an investment in the future of this city. And I would ask people not to be fooled by the corporate greed uh, that they are trying to put above student needs. And um, vote yes on Prop O. And Jess, what about uh, a perspective uh, from a student, uh, a young person? Why do you think it's so crucial that this... Uh, um, college uh, be able to continue uh, with its mission. What's at stake here for you? What's the heart of the matter? City College yeah. is an essential institution and the pandemic has made it us realize more and more that we need more opportunities for people to retrain in, in career paths that they would like to you know, serve in. And these include frontline workers like nursing, firefighting, uh, you know, uh, diagnostic imaging, um, plumbing, electrical, things that actually will help provide for our city. And so many people need that fundamental education and that uh, expertise that City College has been known for and has been able to give. If people aren't able to finish the classes, then they aren't able to uh, start the businesses and contribute to the community in the ways that they want to or that they can. And uh, I've seen students not be able to complete programs, and it's such a shame because it's actually affecting their lives in a negative way when, when coming to City College is affecting so many lives across so many socioeconomic classes and groups of people. And we need City College to be able to serve, better serve our students and our community, because a better served city college is a better served city and a brighter future for all San Francisco and the Bay Area. We have students that come in from the East Bay specifically for some of our uh, vocational programs or for our educational programs. And we need to be able to uh, meet the demands of the students who want to study this and think of solutions to make a better, cleaner, greener future. 
Wow. And um, let me uh, come back to you uh, for uh, the final word, Sally Chen, uh, Chinese for Affirmative Action. Uh, what What is the heart of the matter for you? What does this uh, mean if this uh, uh, city, if City College disappears? Right. Um, city College is an irreplaceable institution. Um, and, you know, I think if I had to sum it up uh, in a soundbite, it would be uh, a quote that really stuck with me from a rally uh, that I attended in support of Prop O, um, that, you know, we aren't, it's not that we are saving City College, that City College is saving us, right? It is saving our city. Um, it is saving uh, so many communities that need access to affordable, free education um, to pursue uh, all of these really critical uh, careers and lines of work that are so needed um, and in areas that our city needs, um, you know, a stronger educated workforce. So um, it's really unthinkable. And so I would really encourage folks to vote yes on Prop O um, and to also turn out to next Tuesday's um, mobilization rally um, and speak up. Beautiful. Is there a website uh, if people want more information, if they want to get involved? What's the best way for them to uh, keep track? Uh, I'll defer this maybe to Mary, uh, since I think she has all of the sort of core Go, Mary. Uh, website info. Yes, um, it is sfwercs.org, and you can get more information about um our events and ways to participate there, sfwercs.org. That's sfworks.org. Beautiful. I really do thank uh, all three of you for uh, joining us today and for having the courage to stand up for what is obviously an incredibly important uh, institution here in the Bay Area where we broadcast from every weekday uh, and we're going to keep reporting on what's going on and actually I thank you all we're going to take a short musical break uh, when we come back we're going to be joined by Tim Redman of 48 Hills and we're going to get into sort of the corporate side of this and uh, uh, the forces that might make it impossible for City College of San Francisco to survive uh, stay with us it's the perfect season to be looking for a questions light in the air words of wisdom glisten like gold are sprinkled caught in webs of dew found in early morn it's up to us to listen taking from them 
Perfect season from Break Reform on Flashpoints on Pacifica Radio. My name is Dennis Bernstein. Happy to welcome back to these airwaves Tim Redman. He is the founder editor of 48 Hills, a wonderful investigative uh, and informational magazine on the Internet here in the Bay Area. Uh, Tim Redman, welcome back to Flashpoints. Thank you, Dennis. I'm always happy to be on your show. Well, it's good to have you with us. Now, uh, we've been talking about uh, the uh, facts around whether New College of uh, San Francisco, uh, I'm sorry, I said New College, they're already, <laughs> they're already gone. Uh, I'm talking about City College of San Francisco, uh, whether they're going to survive or they're going to go down uh, in the midst of... Uh, uh, corporate interests. Can, can you give us a little more background on this? Uh, we're hearing sure. that uh, some 650000 bucks has been raised to defeat Propo, which many believe could uh, help City College survive. Yeah, it's very interesting. And I know I was listening to the show earlier, Dennis, and you were talking about how this is a San Francisco issue, and it is. But it's actually a bigger issue. It's a national issue. It's certainly a statewide issue in California. Because in California, the state is trying to end the practice of community colleges being community colleges. They just want community colleges to be two-year AA um, systems that send students to get their full four-year degree at Cal or State. All right, um, that, That's the idea of this, that they're basically, they want you to get your two-year degree and transfer to a four-year institution, which is a wonderful thing and a wonderful role of City College and something they do exceptionally well, particularly when a four-year education is so expensive now, you can get your first two years basically for free at City College and then transfer to the state university system or the UC system to get your four-year degree. And that's a wonderful thing. But that is not all City College does. City College, as your previous guests mentioned, provides a vast variety of adult education in San Francisco, including things like job training and ESL and citizenship tests for people who want to become American citizens, learn the language, get a better job, etc. The, the state doesn't want to pay for that anymore. Right. But it's a key part of what City College does. This is going to come up in other community colleges in California, and it actually kind of fits into the Betsy DeVos national model of privatizing education. Because if you can't get an ESL class at City College and you need to speak English to get a better job, where are you going to go? You're going to pay a lot of money for some private institution to do that. All right. Um, where are you going to go if you want to learn culinary skills and you can't learn them at City College? You're going to go to a private institution. All right. So this is actually a much bigger issue than just San Francisco. So with that in mind, it's become very clear for some time now, as I think Mary Braverman was pointing out, that the state is not going to pay for City College to fulfill its historic and critical role in San Francisco. And the only way that's going to happen is if the city and county of San Francisco steps up and the taxpayers of the city and county of San Francisco step up. And the measure that has been put on the ballot is a remarkably progressive measure for a property tax. And, you know, in the pantheon of taxes, income taxes, progressive income taxes are the best, property taxes are next, and sales taxes are the worst. This is not a sales tax. It's a parcel tax, and it's designed, as Mary pointed out, so that the biggest landlords, the biggest commercial property owners pay the most. And basically, homeowners over 65 won't pay anything. And by the way, your average homeowner, right? someone like me, Dennis, who owns a 
small house in San Francisco, my taxes may go up 100 bucks a year. Like, that's it. This is not a huge deal. Right? This is money that anyone who owns a home in San Francisco can easily afford to keep City College alive. Right? Now, who's opposing it? Well, gee, I just got a mailer, interestingly enough, today in the mail that says, I've been working hard to live within my budget, and the city should too. Now is not the time to raise taxes. They are running an anti-tax campaign against Prop O. And, oh, by the way, Prop M, the vacancy tax, uh, the tax on vacant apartments, is also mentioned. Vote no on propositions M and O. Now, who would be paying for this? Let's see. The California Apartment Association, the San Francisco Apartment Association, Trinity <laughs> Management Services, <laughs> um, the California Association of Realtors, the San Francisco Association of Realtors, Veritas, Golden Gateway, West Coast Property Management, North Point Investors, Murphy Investors. Right. This is big landlords. And it's big landlords who don't want to pay, frankly, a very modest amount. Now, let's remember. All these big landlords benefit immensely from Prop 13. These are all folks who've owned their property, most of their rental property, for a long period of time. They're assessed at vastly less than the property is worth. These these folks are all getting away with murder under Prop 13, not passing those savings on to their tenants. Their property taxes are already vastly lower. In some cases, you know, millions of dollars a year lower than they ought to be because of Prop 13. And now they're complaining about what may be a couple thousand dollars to raise $30 million, which is not a lot of money, to save City College. It's, you know, Dennis, I've been around a long time. You know that. You've been around a long time. This is one of the worst examples of corporate and landlord greed I've seen in a long time because this is a small amount of money to pay for a crucial public institution. I mean, you know, how do they think, you know, how do they think that people who work for them are going to get an education? How do they, how can you say that you're a part of the San Francisco community and not want to support City College? It's just, as I say, it's, it's just blatant greed on the most astonishing level. And I hope that, you know, San Franciscans will realize that this is not just another tax to fund the City Hall. This is not just another tax they say in here, you know, more taxes aren't going to solve our biggest challenges. Well, actually... A little tiny bit of more taxes is going to solve the challenge of saving City College. Yes, it is. City College is not wasting money. They are cut to the bone. This is going to provide classroom instruction. This is going to make it possible, as Mary said, for you know those 300 people who are getting turned away from English 1, which is necessary to complete your two-year degree. This is good. I mean, this is just a critical thing. And to see this level of – I mean, when this went on the ballot, I thought, what heartless – people would ever raise money to oppose a modest progressive property tax to save city college who could possibly be greedy enough to do that and we just got the answer uh what's the uh city government have to say about all this where where where's the mayor on this I haven't heard from the mayor, but basically every member, I mean, on, on this particular thing, she has not spoken out, but basically the entire city establishment is in favor of, of uh, Propo. The, the board of supervisors, the mayor, everyone at City Hall is in favor of this. Now, is the mayor holding a press conference denouncing the biggest landlords in town and demanding that, you know, they be held accountable and people vote for Propo? I haven't seen it. I haven't seen it yet. I'd love to see the mayor stand out in front of City Hall and call out the California Apartment Association, the California Association of Realtors, the San Francisco Apartment Association, <laughs> the San Francisco Association of Realtors, Veritas, Golden Gateway, you know, West Coast. I, I, I would love to see that happen. 
Um, I and then she would be facing a 52-50 or they'd take her away in cuffs because they'd know she, <laughs> she went crazy. Yeah, I, I have not, let's just say, Dennis, I have not seen that happen yet. But it's only, <laughs> all right, they, basically on this one, the landlords are alone. Right? There is no other major interests in San Francisco that are coming forward. Even the commercial landlords aren't opposing this. It's the residential landlords. And they're opposing this in part because they want to link it in with Prop M, which would be a tax on the 60,000 vacant apartments in San Francisco. Actually not. It would only be a tax on those vacant apartments that are in larger buildings, in buildings of three units or more that have been vacant for more than a year for no good reason. This is property. These are apartments that big landlords are holding off the market for whatever reason. It may be that they think right now the market's in a bit of a slump. So they'll hold it off the market and wait until prices go back up so they can charge higher rents and not be under rent control. Who knows why these people are holding property off the market? Right? Nevertheless, they are, and the latest numbers are 60,000 units. That's 28% of the entire city housing stock is currently vacant. Now, I'm hearing all of these you know, complaints from the Yimbies that you know the state of California says San Francisco has to make room for 84,000 new housing units in the next eight years, which is impossible and is never going to happen, but that's another story. Wait, we've got 60 of them right here already built, ready to go. The landlords are just holding them off the market. Right? So between those two things, I mean, that's, this is, you know, the landlords are trying to conflate these two things. They're not talking about City College. Right? They're not talking about uh, the housing crisis. They're just sending out these mailers saying, oh, the city doesn't need more taxes right now. And they got this picture of this woman coming home with her groceries. She's not going to pay the taxes unless she's a very large landlord. <laughs> I mean, the, 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 the average San Franciscan, right, the average renter, the average homeowner in San Francisco is not going to see a hugely increased tax bill on this. So I say the homeowners might see an extra 100 bucks a year. Sorry, but if you're a homeowner in San Francisco, you can easily afford that. Plus, most homeowners in San Francisco are benefiting. I certainly am from Prop 13. My property taxes are way lower than they should be under Prop 13. You know, I can afford an extra hundred, several hundred bucks in property taxes for City College. This is not going to harm poor people in the city in any way. It's going to save a critical institution. And I just think that this anti-tax, we can't afford more taxes in San Francisco, mailer is just so misleading. Do you see this also as sort of um, blatant racism and classism? Because we know who's being affected most by this, right? It's not white people. Just that it is, it is, it is people of color, it is immigrants, it is low-income people. That's, who's being, that's who goes to City College. And it's not, you know, I was going to say young people. It's not all young people. It's people of all ages in San Francisco yes. who need new job training, new skills. Or, I mean, City College is a, a number one provider of English as a second language in San Francisco. Right? That is absolutely critical for people who come to this country not speaking English and want to learn English to get a better job. How are they supposed to do that? How are they supposed to learn English if they don't have city college? It's just criminal what these landlords are doing. It's amazing. It's really troubling, Tim. Uh, yeah. And, uh, you know, I, I guess, I, I mean, I, I, I lived really essentially around the corner from city college. And um, the college is uh, set in a place where it's totally... Uh, available. It's easily yes. accessible, uh, you know, between, if you will, between work and home that you can oh, fit into your have, schedule. 
go on. Plus, they have a campus in the Mission, and they have a campus downtown, and they have a campus in Chinatown, right? So if you live in the Mission and you don't have a car and you just got off work at quarter to six and your ESL class starts at six, there's a Mission campus on Valencia Street. If you live in Chinatown and you just got off work and you only have 10 minutes to get to your ESL class or to your culinary arts class or to whatever other class you're taking, there's a campus there. So City College, it's not just, there's a Southeast campus, right, for people in the Southeast part of the city. So it's not just the main campus, which is highly transit accessible, but City College has places all over the city where people who, people can go and take these classes. Yeah, I, I guess I was going to say, you know, you know, next to City College, there's the big uh, baseball fields. And I guess that's a, a Balboa Park, but it's a part of yes. it's what the college would also use as well. But can't you imagine? Talk about frontage and possibilities for, um, you know, real estate of uh, commercial nature and stuff and and high uh high uh, rent uh, apartments it's just it's probably driving people crazy they're salivating as they walk around yeah yeah it's unbelievable but the main thing is they don't want to pay a very small amount of taxes and as i said pretty much everyone on that list i just read you is benefiting immensely from prop 13 right prop 13 has reduced their property taxes to the point where it's just absurd right and they are now saying they won't pay a little tiny bit more for city college. I mean, that's not that's not political strategy. That's not that's just greed. That's yeah. all that is. And they're they're putting up six hundred and fifty thousand dollars to defeat this. How many years worth of property taxes is that for most of these folks? Right? I mean, they would rather spend their money sinking city college than paying a little bit more taxes to pay for city college. That's where that I mean that six hundred and fifty thousand dollars would pay a lot of their taxes for a year. <laughs> Oh, man. Okay. All right. Well, thank you, Tim Redman, editor of 48 Hills, founder. Really important information. I, I, I wish I could say I'm surprised, uh, but it is very oh, troubling I because I do believe in this institution. Uh, it's, it's the kind of institution uh, that we should be proud of here in the Bay Area because yes. it is unique. It's it's a, more than a, a two-year college, a community college. Right. Um, it's a place that can change and has been changing people's lives and provided platforms for real change. So it's, and that's rare uh, in this yeah. country. Wow. All right. Well, be safe, Tim. Uh, and thanks Thank you. For coming Thank you for on. having me on your show. All right. A pleasure. Right. And uh, you are listening to Flashpoints on Pacifica Radio. My name is Dennis Bernstein. This is your daily investigative news magazine. We're here for you every weekday from 5 to 6. We're syndicated across the country. We're live these days in Los Angeles as well between 5 and 6. And we'd love to hear from you. And you can email me. Hit me up with uh, an email at Dennis, Dennis at kpfa.org. That's Dennis at kpfa.org. That's certainly one way to get me. Thanks. Talk to you soon. And that wraps it up for another episode of Flashpoints. Our executive producer is Dennis Bernstein. Senior producers are Miguel Gavilan Molina and Kevin Pina. Technical director is Mike Biggs. 
For previous episodes, go to kpfa.org or flashpoints.net. For questions or comments, email dennis at kpfa.org. Thank you for listening.